And now, America's number one show on pop culture and politics. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day, another great week in this greatest nation on God's green earth. It is a great day. It is a national holiday. That holiday, Juneteenth. And yes, I do believe it conveys a positive message. It conveys a message of progress and of heroism and of dedication in ridding this country of the horrible, horrible stain of slavery. Okay, reason to celebrate, right? And uh, the idea that Juneteenth is a celebratory day uh, doesn't uh, somehow obscure the fact that there was an explosion of violence over the weekend. What is that about? What does that say about our country and where we are and what we're doing? We're going to be talking to Juan Williams about that. He was one of the people who was promoting the Juneteenth holiday before it became a holiday. And right now he has a column, very controversial column, uh, suggesting that the two uh, stars in the Republican Party who are people of color are, uh, first of all, he thinks they're not really running for president, they're running for vice president. We're talking about uh, Nikki Haley, of course, and Tim Scott, the senator from South Carolina. But uh, he also believes they're just window dressing for uh, some of the underlying racism in the Republican Party. We'll be speaking with Juan Williams. We'll also be speaking with uh, Danielle Pletka, who has a, a an unusual idea uh, that she has written about. She was co-author of a column in the Washington Post that said, look, we are a deeply, deeply divided country, and there's a new survey that has astonishing data about that. We're a deeply divided country where many people believe that violence is justified to settle our political differences. What we should do is basically President Biden could actually win the election, go down in history as a heroic figure, uh, change the entire trajectory of what is going on in this country, which is bitter and angry and nasty, if he would do the right thing and pardon Donald Trump. Is that a good idea and an appropriate idea? Uh, we will be covering that with Danielle Pletka, and we'll also be taking a look at a something else to not celebrate. Uh, and I, I just went and got some gas, and it's it goes up, it goes down, it goes up. Okay. Right now, the uh, 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 taxpayers in the state of Washington, people who get uh, gas or use CO2, are uh, uh, going to be paying 45 cents more per gallon. Why is that a, a ridiculous idea, and why is it happening? We'll speak with Todd Myers of the uh, Washington Policy Center a little bit later on this edition of the Michael Medved Show. 1-800-955-1776 is our phone number. Um, okay, first of all, what's happening in our country right now over the weekend coming into this uh, national holiday? There should be a time of joy and thanksgiving and brotherhood uh, and sisterhood. Okay, <laughs> yes, brothers and sisters are different. Um, there's uh, this story from MSNBC 
this was released this morning on what the weekend was like all across the United States of America. Listen, clip 67. One of the incidents that's getting a lot of attention outside of Chicago in Willowbrook, Illinois. Officials say that there was a celebratory Juneteenth event, a peaceful gathering Saturday evening at a strip mall that turned deadly in the overnight hours with reports of at least 20 people killed there, or excuse me, 20 people shot one person killed during that incident. Again, 20 people shot reportedly, just one person killed in that incident. Obviously, obviously, even just one death is too many. And then in St. Louis, 10 people were shot in an incident, including a 17-year-old who was killed. Here's what one person said on the ground in St. Louis over the weekend. 10 of our babies shot downtown and a young life lost. It's every parent's worst nightmare tenfold. That's the mayor in St. Louis there. And I want to also show you a stat, Chris, that has been developing throughout the day so far. 315. That is the number of mass shootings so far in this country this year, according to the Gun Violence Archive, which tracks these types of shootings. That's an incident in which at least four people uh, were shot. 315 so far this year. And again, that number has gone up. Okay, uh, this is extraordinary. Uh, Associated Press story, mass shootings and violence killed and wounded people across the United States this weekend, including at least 60, 60, 60 shot in the Chicago area alone. Four people were found shot to death in a small Idaho town. That counts as a mass killing. A Pennsylvania state trooper was killed in an ambush. It was actually an attack on a state trooper's headquarters and other police officers wounded, in addition to the one who was killed. And bullets struck 11 teenagers, killing one at a party near St. Louis. The shootings happened in cities and rural areas alike following a surge in homicides and other violence over the past several years that accelerated during the coronavirus pandemic. Officers responded to mass shootings in Washington State. That was at the Columbia River Gorge uh, for a music festival. What a way to celebrate it. Uh, Philadelphia, mass shooting. San Francisco, mass shooting. Southern California and Baltimore. A Carnegie Mellon University professor named Daniel Nagan uh, who's a professor of public policy and statistics, said there's no question there's been a spike in violence. Some of these cases seem to be just disputes, often among adolescents. And those disputes are played out with firearms, not with fists. Uh, only the Idaho killings feel uh, fit the formal definition of a mass killing in which four or more people die, not including the shooter. However, the number of injured in most of the weekend cases matches the widely accepted definition of mass shootings. Five people were shot too fatally on Chicago's south side on Sunday evening when someone opened fire from a car that pulled up to a gathering. Another four men were shot, one fatally, during an altercation in a garage on the west side neighborhood of Austin around 3 a.m. Sunday. Uh, meanwhile, in the suburbs, at least 23 people were shot in Chicagoland. One fatally early Sunday in the parking lot where hundreds of people had gathered to celebrate Juneteenth. Uh, a motive wasn't immediately known. Sheriff spokesman Robert Carroll said authorities were interviewing persons of interest. 
Uh, we just started hearing shooting, so we dropped down until they stopped a witness, Marquesha Avery told WLS-TV. In Kellogg, Idaho, police in Idaho arrested a suspect in a shooting that killed four people on Sunday at a home right behind a church. Responding officers found four people all dead from gunshot wounds at a residence in Kellogg, Idaho, according to the Shoshone County Sheriff's Office and news reports. Idaho police said a 31-year-old man was detained. A neighbor at the scene told the TV station there had been an ongoing dispute between neighbors. Great. It happened uh, behind the Mountain View Congregational Church. In St. Louis, an early Sunday morning shooting in a downtown St. Louis office building killed a 17-year-old and wounded 11 other teenagers. Teenagers were having a party in an office space when the shooting broke out around 1 a.m. Sunday. The victims ranged from 15 to 19-year-olds. Can you imagine? They had injuries, including multiple gunshot wounds. A 17-year-old girl was trampled as she fled, uh, seriously injuring her spine. Shell casings from AR-15-style rifles and other firearms were scattered on the ground. Okay, there's much, much more. But what is going on here is a reflection of... Uh, the deeper attitudinal change, which is just so brutal. Uh, University of Chicago study, major study, that shows that violence uh, is more and more embraced by people who want change. Through violence, we'll get to that coming up on the MedVet. Yeah, no, this is not a new section of the show on the Michael Medved show called The Body Count, but it, it feels like that when you continue reading about the incidents all over our country, all over our country. I, uh, I was just looking at the, the numbers in Seattle, and I love Seattle. I'm very grateful to live here. I really, I really am, and I really do. But uh, one of the great things about Seattle is it always had traditionally a very, very low rate of violence when compared to other big cities. It still does. However, the number of murders has doubled. And yes, it hasn't gone into the 300s and 400s and 500s like some of the other cities that are even smaller in population than Seattle, but much, 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 much more violent. However, doubling of a of a murder rate used to be 24, 28 murders a year, and now 55, I believe, was the total last year, and it's going to be more than that this year because it's already it's already soaring. What what is going wrong with that? And 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 there is this, by the way. Uh, Two people were killed and two others were injured when a shooter began firing randomly into a crowd at a Washington State campground where many people were staying to attend a nearby music festival on Saturday night. The suspect was shot in a confrontation with law enforcement officers and taken into custody several yards from the Beyond Wonderland Electronic Dance Music Festival. Okay. 
You can't go to the Columbia River Gorge, which is where this is. It's on the border between Washington State and and Oregon. The river is the border. But you can't go to something called the Beyond Wonderland Electronic Dance Music Festival without fearing for your life. Central Pennsylvania, one state trooper was killed and a second critically wounded just hours apart in central Pennsylvania on Saturday after a gunman attacked a state police barracks. The suspect drove his truck into the parking lot of the Lewistown barracks about 11 a.m. Saturday and opened fire with a single caliber rifle on marked patrol cars before fleeing. The suspect was shot and killed after a fierce gun battle said Lieutenant George Bivens, who went up in a helicopter to coordinate the search for the 38-year-old suspect. What I witnessed was one of the most intense, unbelievable gunfights I have ever witnessed, Bivens said, including troopers, lauding troopers, pardon me, for launching an aggressive search despite facing a weapon that would defeat any of the body armor they had available to them. Then uh, Southern California... A shooting at a pool party at a Southern California home left eight people wounded. Authorities were dispatched shortly after midnight in Carson, California, south of Los Angeles. Baltimore, six people injured Friday night shooting in Baltimore. All were expected to survive. Officers heard gunshots in the north of the city just before 9 p.m. and found three men with numerous gunshot wounds. The wounded ranged in age from 17 to 26. There's much more. Okay, what is going on here? Part of it is uh, this new survey from uh, a a very distinguished social scientist, Robert Pape, who is director of the Chicago Project on Security and Threats and a professor at the University of Chicago. He's been working with the National Opinion Research Center, NORC. And... uh, he finds out that uh, following the overturning of Roe v. Wade by the Supreme Court, 22 million Americans now say force would be justified to restore abortion rights. It's not just the left. Uh, more than two and a half years after the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol, a new study estimates some 12 million Americans would support violence to restore former President Trump to power. Let that sink in. Twelve million people who are who are willing to tell a poll taker that they would support violence to bring Trump back into power. And there's more than that. They they asked people in this survey, and this is considered the gold standard. National Opinion Research Center. This is not some a jerkwater kind of fly-by-night operation. It is the most respected source of polling and survey data uh, anywhere, anywhere in the world. Uh, Distrust of American democracy. Do you agree with the following statements? Elections won't solve America's fundamental problems. 142 million people, in other words, half the country nearly, uh, say that's right. Elections can't solve our problems. Then uh, you ask, uh, was the 2020 election stolen and is Biden an illegitimate president? 
There are 52 million Americans who agree with that. The, the good thing is that that's gone down. Uh, that's gone down since the time of the election, but it's still 52 million people. And then they they ask uh, uh, this question: uh, That uh, do you agree with the statement that a secret group of Satan worshiping pedophiles is ruling the U.S. government? 26 million people who think that's right. Yep, that's right. We've got. Uh, Satan-worshipping pedophiles, child molesters, who were running our government. And uh, it's all amazing. A force justified to coerce Congress or government officers. There are 32 million people who believe it's justified. Now, that doesn't create all of this violence that we're hearing about, but it goes together. And it's a, it's a terrible situation. And there's more when, when, when you look at the, the motivation of uh, a, a people in, in, out, out there in the country who are divided uh, over whether Trump should even be put on trial. And in fact, there is a, a more and more people, thoughtful people, who look at the, the prospect of a Trump trial and say, oh, this is going to be horrible for the country. It's going to rip the country apart. And one of those people, Danielle Pletka, she wrote a, a book together, uh, not a book, it's a column together with Mark Thiessen for the Washington Post, uh, saying that the only solution is a full and complete pardon for Donald J. Trump. Uh, she will make the case for a Trump pardon, and it's a serious case that she's made together uh, with Mark Thiessen. Uh, we will get to that. Daniel Pletka is a uh, senior fellow, a distinguished senior fellow in foreign and defense policy studies at the American Enterprise Institute. Uh, that and more coming up, the real meaning of Juneteenth and uh, why it should bring us closer together, not drive us further apart. We'll be right back on The MedVet Show. The Michael Medved Show. And on the Michael Medved Show, it is a pleasure to welcome Danielle Pletka, who is a distinguished senior fellow in foreign and defense policy studies at the American Enterprise Institute, uh, which is uh, arguably the most distinguished conservative uh, think tank anywhere. Uh, and uh, Danielle Pletka specializes on U.S. foreign policy generally and the Middle East specifically. Uh, she is also a uh, teaches U.S. Middle East policy at Georgetown University at the Walsh School of Foreign Service. Uh, she is the co-author, together with Mark Thiessen, uh, of a um, explosive column that uh, appeared in the Washington Post, calling for a full and complete uh, pardon of Donald Trump. 
and not because you believe he's innocent of wrongdoing, but uh, well, let, rather than my paraphrasing it, uh, you stated what is the main gain, the main motivation for pardoning President Trump? So, uh, it, first of all, thank you so much for the kind words about AEI and uh, and for having me on again. It's always such a pleasure. So the argument that that Mark and I make in our uh, in our uh, joint piece in the Washington Post is that is that President Biden should pardon Donald Trump, and the reason we make the case is pretty straightforward. It's not because the indictment that was put forward by uh, Special Prosecutor Jack Smith is not persuasive. I think we both think it's it's a pretty damning indictment. What we're really worried about, to put it sort of in more colloquial terms, is that this is part of a spiral, a cycle in American politics in which we really sort of devolve into a banana republic in which your hold on power is all about vengeance against your political enemies. You know, it's uh, it, it, it impeachments every time, it's indictments every time, it's hunting down the family every time. And I think we think that Joe Biden has an opportunity to break that cycle, uh, to certainly to discombobulate Donald Trump, who, who argues, you know, repeatedly that the federal government has been weaponized against him and and to end at least part of this narrative for the good of the American people. Okay, in in terms of the good of the American people, don't you think that um, President Trump, if he were pardoned, would see it and use it politically as vindication, that a uh, pardon would make it more likely that he is... Um, elected uh, to another term in, as president? You know something? Um, I don't think it would make it more likely. I mean, all of this is, is, is hypothetical, right? I'm not advising President Biden and neither of us. Well, let me speak only for myself. I can't see into the future, but I believe that in acting on what he said uh, in his own inaugural, Joe Biden, I, what did he say? He said, this is the time to heal in America. But, of course, his administration hasn't been about healing. It's been about further divisions. It's been about anger. It's been about a rising crime, inflation, and all of those things. And, and so, A, for his side, this is an opportunity. What will Donald Trump say? Well, okay, he might say, see, I'm vindicated. I think that any fair reading of the indictment, and we suggest that they that the uh, administration put out a report like the Durham report, like the Mueller report, that goes fully into laying bare exactly what it was that former President Trump did, certainly would prove that any claims that he's been exonerated are without merit. Okay, uh, but uh, in in terms of actually bringing the country together, uh, do you think that uh, President Trump would respond uh, by dropping uh, the attacks on uh, President Biden and particularly on his son Hunter, which has become something of an obsession for people on the Republican side of things? Well, it has become an obsession, and... 
you know, in in some ways, it is it, it for a lot of I think for a lot of Republicans, certainly for a lot of Trump supporters, it, the the Hunter Biden case has become emblematic of unequal justice in America. So you know what he can, and all of this is alleged, right? Take five million dollars from some Ukrainian company or some Chinese fat cat, and the Justice Department is, for the most part, uninterested. But Joe, but but Donald Trump, blah 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 blah. You know, look, um, we cannot say what Donald Trump will do, and I think we cannot assume that doing the right thing is going to be his first instinct, because to my mind, at least, it never has been. But I do think that it defangs the argument that he makes to his supporters, an argument that, by the way, they largely believe that the justice system no longer works for justice. It works for politics. That, I think, is something that that would be much harder to make if Joe Biden made an eloquent statement in doing this. It also wouldn't get Trump off the hook on these state-level prosecutions. In New York, I think most serious people believe those to be those to be frivolous prosecutions. But he's he's looking at potential real trouble in uh, in Georgia, where he did attempt to subvert the election and the election process in 2020. You know, so it's not a get out of jail free card for Donald Trump. I don't think. Well, there's also and, and how the... he would react. I don't know. There's also the grand jury in Washington, D.C., the other Jack Smith grand jury. Uh, look, the, the one thing about uh, the, the argument uh, that there's unequal justice, uh, for four years, President Trump was president of the United States. He had attorney generals named uh, Jeff Sessions and, uh, and, and obviously Bill Barr, who were very loyal soldiers in uh, the the Trump revolution in Washington. And if that were the case, why did they never pursue Hillary Clinton, given the fact that President Trump had been elected with uh, lock her up, lock her up? What happened there? Right. I think that's an outstanding question. And you know, I'll just speak about about Bill Barr, who I know a little, uh, who I know a little better. But I think that the case, this is the case with Jeff Sessions as well. I think these are politicians of the much older school, the school that we've forgotten about in the last decade and a bit, which is the one that looks at the possibilities here and says to themselves, this is not good for our country. This kind of vindictive justice, this this kind of decision-making to go after our leadership for anything and everything is not a good thing and we need to put this behind us because they could have reopened the hillary case they could have looked into the question of why she had an illegal uh server in her backyard or why she destroyed more than thirty thousand emails why it was okay to do that while a foreign government had penetrated it and how she did so with apparent impunity but they didn't and i don't think they did the wrong thing and uh, again, if uh, th- however, the difficulty is that when you're talking about Hillary Clinton getting away with murder, uh, there was obviously a decision that was made, and I think you're right. It wasn't the right thing to do. And uh, th- then the question becomes, 
Uh, what do you do about a situation in which we're in now where you're, there are already two sets of indictments, uh, one of them on the state level, one of them and one of them on the federal level and more to come? And your best guess would be that this is going to these indictments are going to help Trump politically hurt Trump politically. Which one? No, I think they're going to help Trump. I think that's what all the data shows, which is hard for most normal people to believe. But, yes, I think they're going to help Trump. Extraordinary. It's a fascinating column and very provocative. Uh, it's posted at our website, michaelmedved.com. Danielle Pletka, look forward to the next conversation. She is with the American Enterprise Institute. We will be right back. Michael Medved show uh, all kinds of conversations of course about uh, the uh, indictments on President Trump and what they mean and why President Trump did what he did uh, we will get to that with uh, comments from a number of people who are among his closest and most trusted and most influential advisors but first we have our tweet of the day Turn the page now to the internet I mean, wow, what a great, smart tweet. Change his password so he no longer has access to his Twitter feed. Did you send the tweet? I did not send that tweet. My system was hacked. I was pranked. Donald Trump hasn't tweeted at us once, and I'm starting to get worried about him. So we have a new tweet. All right. Can I do the honors? Stand by. Tweet alert. Okay, the, the tweet is from uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., candidate for president, and a candidate for president who, on the Democratic side of things, is doing well. He uh, is, according to all the polling, up over 20%, which is shocking, uh, given the fact that, uh, <laughs> as people point out uh, about him he is a crank uh, he believes in things that are demonstrably untrue and not based on truth he's also someone who is very far over to the left I mean he does make Biden look relatively moderate and he's challenging Biden for the presidency and uh, again the Biden campaign is handling things so badly in terms of the first primaries, it's possible that Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Uh, does very well in New Hampshire or in Iowa because it's not at all clear that uh, Joe Biden is going to be on the ballot there. Uh, in any event, his uh, most recent tweet says, looks like the Biden administration deployed Boris Johnson, former British prime minister, to scuttle a tentative peace agreement between Russia and Ukraine in spring of 2022. Uh, this was never about the Ukrainian people. It was always about engineering a war against Russia. And that's signed hashtag Kennedy24. Uh, why, why would uh, the Biden administration or former Prime Minister Boris Johnson want to engineer a war against Russia? Uh, why exactly? I mean, especially given the fact that Putin 
once again, he had this economic summit where he was threatening to do his nuclear weapons. And to accuse uh, the president and uh, the former British prime minister of deliberately, uh, deliberately wanting to impose that kind of suffering that the people of Ukraine and, yes, uh, the Russian troops, of whom more than 100,000 have been killed, to, to suggest that all this is part of some massive conspiracy. And then he, he includes, includes another uh, uh, Twitter message that uh, is a message from Putin. And it says, Putin, peace was signed between Ukraine and Russia in the spring of 2022. Uh, peace was signed? Really? In, in any event, it, it's just sad. And when it comes to foreign affairs, I mean, one of the sharpest people to work in the Trump administration, and uh, I, I believe a, a great patriot and somebody who knows as much as anyone out there about American foreign policy and national security policy, is John Bolton, the former national security advisor to President Trump. He, um, he by the way, has written uh, his book about uh, the room where it happened is a pretty revealing portrait of what goes on inside the Trump administration or what went on inside the Trump administration. And he wonders out loud uh, during a conversation, an interview this weekend, uh, why it was that Trump was so obsessed with these boxes of stuff that apparently included his shoes and newspaper clippings and top-secret papers, why he was so obsessed with taking that stuff from the White House. This is clip seven. Well, I think he, he was kind of a, uh, a collector of things that uh, he thought were of interest to him for some reason or another, uh, clippings, uh, mementos, uh, classified documents. Uh, and it was very disturbing. We could see in the course of meetings with him, intelligence briefings, decision meetings, that sometimes he liked to retain things. And uh, it became the practice just to make sure that we got them back in as many cases as we could. Uh, obviously, we failed in many cases, but it was a, it was a pattern that was uh, evident to me from sort of my earliest Did days. Did he ever ask? Okay. And uh, Bill Barr was even closer on this situation to President Trump. I mean, he worked for two years as our attorney general, uh, <clears throat> helped President Trump uh, deflate the Mueller report and uh, to uh, escape the first uh, impeachment and, and more. And uh, Bill Barr said that um, part of President Trump's position right now that he has done nothing wrong and that he hasn't uh, ignored the Presidential Records Act, which was passed in 1978, by the way. Uh, this is uh, former Attorney General uh, Bill Barr on uh, some words, some understanding perspective on President Trump's distinctive personality. Listen. Is he mischaracterizing the act? It, 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 absolutely. Uh, the legal theory by which he gets to take battle plans and, and sensitive national security information as his personal papers is absurd. It's just as wacky as the legal doctrine they came up with for you know 
having the vice president unilaterally determine who won the election. The whole purpose of the statute, the Presidential Records Act, is was to stop presidents from taking official documents out of the White House. It was passed after Watergate. That's the whole purpose of it. And therefore, it restricted what a president can take. It says it's purely private. It had nothing to do with uh, the uh, deliberations of government policy. Obviously, these documents are not purely private. It's, it's obvious. And they're not even now arguing that it's purely private. What they're saying is the president just has sweeping discretion to say they are, even though they squarely don't fall within the definition. It's an absurd argument. And uh, he goes on to uh, talk uh, about problems with the president's uh, character and his suitability for the office. This again, former attorney general under Donald J. Trump, Bill Barr. Put the country at risk if he was in the White House again? He, he will always put his own interests and gratifying his own ego ahead of everything else, including the country's interests. There's no question about it. This is a perfect example of that. He's like, you know, he's like a nine-year-old, a defiant nine-year-old kid who's always pushing the glass toward the edge of the table, defying his parents to stop him from doing it. It's a means of self-assertion and exerting his dominance over other people. And he's, he's a very petty individual who will always put his interests ahead of the country's, his personal gratification of his, you know, of his ego. But our country, our country can't, you know, can't be a therapy session for, you know, a troubled man like this. Okay, he talks about a nine-year-old pushing his glass toward the edge of the table. Uh, yeah, the glass in the case of the nine-year-old doesn't contain nuclear weapons and the potential of world war. Uh, one more truth teller. And uh, Michael Esper, who was the Secretary of Defense. And again, you're talking now about National Security Advisor, Attorney General, Secretary of Defense, people who worked every day with uh, President uh, Trump. And this is Michael Esper, clip three. Yeah, look, I think both theories could be true and, and likely are true to some extent. Uh, who knows? People have described him as a hoarder when it comes to these type of documents. But clearly it was unauthorized, illegal. And and dangerous. So look, we have a, a case playing out right now in Massachusetts. Actions alleged in the uh, under the indictment. Well, based on his actions, again, if proven true, uh, under the indictment by the special counsel, no. I mean, it's it's just irresponsible action that places uh, our service members at risk, places our nation's security at risk. Uh, you cannot have these documents floating around. They need to be secured. Uh, we, we know how that happens. The only authorized persons are allowed to see documents or receive information from, from documents. So look, We've got to take this very seriously. These are these are serious issues. Uh, and they are serious issues. There will be more on that. We'll also be speaking coming up with Juan Williams of Fox News about the deeper meaning of Juneteenth and also about a piece that he's written about the Republican Party and people of color, particularly very prominent people of color like Senator Tim Scott and former Governor Nikki Haley. We'll be speaking with Juan Williams coming right up in this greatest nation on God's green earth.